0: You might have heard of it. It's called Grant and Danny. It's Washington Training Camp live, Craig Hoffman with you here an hour before the start of a wonderful radio program. You might have heard of it. It's called Grant and Danny, and before he does that program, the grant of Grant and Danny is here. That's the most awkward introduction I could have possibly given you, Grant Paulson. How'd I do?
1: I like it. We came full circle to to get where we needed to go there. You parked the car. Right. I'm good, man. Football's back, so I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Also, is this weird for you? Like we've spent almost three years of our lives where the day after every game uh, you would ask me questions about what I saw. Now we're in reverse roles. Are you comfortable with this? I'm all right with it. Yeah, I feel like we're in a good place. Okay, nice little free-flowing discussion perhaps we'll have here. So as you you get ready for your show here in just a little bit, and, and of course some people, because uh, this is a podcast, will have listened uh, to your show already and are, are getting some, some extra thoughts. We can go a little longer than perhaps uh, that's the beauty of a podcast, uh, but... As you're thinking about your show coming up, you watched the game last night. Of course, Washington loses, uh, final score being 22-13, and a great moment of preseason justice where Ron Rivera calls a timeout at the end of the game and then or Belichick runs another play and the Patriots score because you don't call timeouts at the end of preseason games. But it, you, you think of the big, like, what's the most interesting thing to the fans that you think the, the fans and, and thus the listeners of your show are going to be talking about today that you're going to lead with?
1: I would say there's two things, right? How the quarterbacks played, because I thought both Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke looked really good and did themselves a lot of good in the eyes of the coaching staff. And then the second thing was that we got to see Chase Young do Chase Young things. It took all of three snaps on defense for him to look like a world-eating phenom that everyone's hoping he'll be in year two. So I'd say those storylines kind of carried the day, and then everything else slots in after that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on on both of those. Um, especially Fitzpatrick. Um but the young thing and, and the, the, my first note that I actually like wrote something down, like I didn't need to write anything down on on I guess it wound up being an incompletion, but the, the strip sack esque play, uh, where he comes around the corner, beats Isaiah Wynn, a uh, first rounder himself last year and, and gets the button there knocks the ball out of Cam Newton's hands. But there's the 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 play, uh, I think I was on the next offensive drive where Washington picks up a first down and Chase Young's running down the sidelines like it's a playoff game, tight in the fourth quarter, just you know, dapping up his guys as the offense continues to roll. And, and the first thing I wrote down is just, I love how much Chase Young loves football. And as much as he loves football, he's also you know, this world beater at it. Um, and I don't know like, how deep the analysis needs to go here, but like, there's, just, there's nothing wrong with that dude when it comes to being a football player.
1: No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't think it's an act, right? I think he really genuinely, as you said, like that's him. Uh, You saw him in the playoff game sprinting down the sideline to pick up Taylor Heineke and scream after his touchdown, and he kind of had that same energy last night. I I think that's who he is, what he is. I I think what you said is perfect. He loves ball. I really believe that. It's part of why he's as good as he is. I think he was also born with some God-given skills that have put him over the top as well, but he should have a monster season. You know, there's a lot of chatter, a lot of talk with different national guests we have on Grant and Danny, that maybe he could be in the conversation for the defensive player of the year in year two. I think that's a little bullish for me, frankly, but I certainly believe he's got the potential to ultimately get there. Maybe this is the year he does it. He's going to have to essentially double up statistically, uh, analytically, a lot of what he did last year in terms of pressures and sacks and quarterback contact and those types of things, but so far, so good, man. He looked really healthy. He said he was bothered last year, remember, by that hip issue that he had in the groin at training camp. And so if that's the case, and he's a different version, a healthier version of himself coming off of Pro Bowl as a rookie and the defensive rookie of the year, where he kind of left all the other pass rushers in his wake, that's a scary thing for teams in the NFC East.
0: Let's play Chase Young over under. I don't know if you guys have done this on the show. It's something I know you guys uh, do on a fairly regular basis. Let's go go 12 and a half sacks for Chase Young over under.
1: Um, I think I had him. I'm going to say under. I've got him at like 11 and a half. But I'm telling you, Craig, this won't surprise you, I don't think. But we've had really smart people on, analysts that break down the film like Brian Baldinger and, and people like Charles Davis and whoever else and a lot of people have him closer to 15 than 10 this year. He had seven and a half last year. But I would go under, I'd say right around 11, 11 and a half would be a nice realistic jump from what he did and played and saw last year.
0: Yeah, I I do think that it's so helpful for him statistically speaking. Like you can have an impact on the game without necessarily accumulating statistics at that position because you demand so much attention that it frees up other guys. But because Sweat's on the other side, like, I actually think I would take the over there, barely. Like that's There's a reason I picked that number. I did. I, it's not like I'm looking at the Vegas numbers, but that feels around right. But the fact that Sweat's on the other side means you can't just load up a ton on Chase Young. Like You have to keep those guys guessing because if you just let Montez Sweat go one-on-one every single snap, then he's going to wind up with 12, 13, 14 sacks this year.
1: Yeah, and that's what's crazy, right? First of all, it should be noted, to your point, that the sack he had last night beating win. Wynn- with the great move with his hands and, and going and getting Cam Newton, Sweat wasn't playing. So he had you know a guy who's not a starter opposite him at defensive end and still made that play. That's number one. But number two, as far as Sweat goes, like it would not surprise me at all if he had more sacks than Chase Young. I mean, last year, he, his counting numbers were better than Young's. Pressures, sacks, quarterback hits, a lot of those things. And that's not to say that he had a more impactful season, I don't think. Uh, because Young in a lot of those games, as you said, gets doubled, gets chipped. You know, running backs are headed toward him. The line is shifting in his direction, and Sweat was a beneficiary in some way. But for the same reason, you can kind of see him having that monster year. I mean, they have to keep those two guys healthy, though. Like, another layer of this storyline to me, Craig, is that, first of all, Chase Young was banged up for much of last year, we found out after the fact, and obviously did miss some time. Montez Sweat has been mostly pretty durable and healthy. I don't love playing the who's vaccinated, who's not game, but both of those guys have either been outspoken in Sweat's case or you know, very publicly now we know based on having to wear a mask and everything with Chase Young. You know They're not vaccinated, so there's more of a risk perhaps of missing some time with COVID, you would think. Right. And they don't have a player behind them who's proven. Like They have a seventh-round pick from last year. James Smith-Williams is like the next guy up. They've got two seventh-rounders from this year, William Bradley King and Chaka Tony. Like, Kerrigan's gone, so there's not like another five sack guy on the roster or anything. Brian Anderson's no longer with them, so I- I'm interested to see like who the third guy is, or if they pick someone up who gets cut. But the bottom line is they can't afford to have either of those guys miss time. Like that's a very, very critical thing for them.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's something that we've talked about on this podcast, and I know you've talked about it on your show, and everybody's kind of talking about. It. And and to the COVID point too, like right, there is the like the larger discussion about COVID and the vaccine and all that kind of stuff and how it impacts the sports. But like from a strictly football standpoint, it is such a rare thing that we've seen in our lifetimes where you have this other thing, be like, especially in the NFL, there's always an injury risk. So there's always a risk that someone's not going to be available, but to have this other thing looming out there that is health related, but non, you know, non-injury in like a bone joint, whatever setting is just a weird added layer, even without the like more intense discussion about vaccination and yada, yada, yada. Well, um, and
1: it's uncontrollable too, right. in some way. Like you can go home and not play basketball or not get on a jet ski or whatever. Right. You like put your body at more risk. I mean, you can do everything right. You can mask up. You can do all those things. And maybe your girlfriend works a day job or maybe your kids go to daycare. I don't know, whatever it is. And you could get COVID. We, we, so that's my concern is like, I, you could be the most conscious you know, Kirk cousins in, in Minnesota, like this is, and loves football and all these things. And, He's like, I'm going to do everything in my power and don't get me wrong. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to build a proxy glass hut if I need to. And it's like, well, you can do whatever you want and still get it. And so that's the concern is if you're without a young or a sweat for a game or two, and all of a sudden I'll just pick one of the guys, William Bradley King is starting on the other side. It's, it's a very different defense and they need this defensive line to carry them. So. If it really doesn't matter, frankly, if it's COVID or a groin or a you know a peck or anything else. They sure. just have to get those guys on the field.
0: Sure. And just the last thing to kind of touch this up as these variants continue to, to grow, like the, the chances go up because the contagiousness level goes up. And so obviously with Lambda now looming all of a sudden, uh, that that risk continues to elevate uh, if those guys aren't vaccinated. Uh, again, just purely them missing games uh, for something you know, happening. So the other part, uh, the, the other big thing, storyline that, that you mentioned that I do want to definitely touch on is the quarterback play. I was, I was, I want to say like surprisingly impressed with Fitzpatrick because he was exactly what I thought he was going to be, but the ball got out quickly on time. There was a rhythm to the offense. Ultimately they didn't get points, but it is the kind of thing where you go, Hey, if, if the quarterback's going to play like that over the course of four quarters, I feel like this team's going to score.
1: Yeah. I liked what I saw from Fitz bro. I mean, so first things first, like you kind of alluded to this, but you're sitting playing in a preseason game for two drives. He should look okay. I mean, it would be a story probably if he didn't. But there were a couple throws that I just really liked. Throws that last year got hit occasionally, but weren't high percentage throws. The Terry McLaurin in route and will look like a you know maybe a dagger skinny post or something where they had Cam Sims clear out over the top and McLaurin comes behind him. And if you see the end zone view on that, fit like Throws him more open than he was. He had a guy draped on his back, and it was just a perfect ball and a hands catch. And Fitz feeds ones. That's something we could talk about at some point. But I, I've kind of dug and looked into like over the years, whether it's Brandon Marshall or it's Devontae Parker or even random guys like Stevie Johnson in Buffalo. Like if you're the number wide receiver one, Fitzpatrick targets you. You're getting more catches. You're having more production than at any other point in your career. Almost every single year gospel with him as your starting quarterback so he's gonna feed McLaurin yeah it's cool to see like year by year you know guys lock in on certain things um you go back through the years like Alex Smith's gonna throw to running backs right you're gonna do well if you're JD McKissick uh you go back before him would have been Cousins like he's a big tight ends guy Jordan Reed you know getting one-on-one you covered him and saw him with those choice routes or Vernon Davis with Fitz wide receiver one like he pushes the ball down the field he throws the ball Guys like Devontae Parker, who are good, become really good. Guys like Stevie Johnson, who are Jags, become pretty decent. You know, guys like Brandon Marshall, who are awesome, become all pro types. You know, that's kind of what his career's been. And I'm not to, that's not to say Fitz is the real deal or he's an elite or anything. But stylistically, he's just going to give you chances. So the first throw of the preseason on, on the second snap to be that route to McLaurin, I love that. And then how pretty was that back shoulder ball to Logan Thomas? That was kind of Rodgers-y just to throw him to the sideline like that. I thought that was awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I love that play call and that play design too where you really understand what a defense is giving you and you take it like it's just that simple like sometimes quarterbacking is really hard defenses try to hide stuff it, it's complex to figure out what they're doing but new england the way they lined up like there was only so many options and by using that tight split with thomas as the the outermost guy Uh, a guy who's comfortable in space, which again, like is amazing. We could just diatribe on Logan Thomas, the fact that this dude converted from quarterback and now is a really versatile tight end who also is a pretty decent blocker. Like he's pretty complete as a tight end. Um, Not elite, but complete. Like, He's just good at everything. And so by using that tighter split, you have all of a sudden on the field side, by the way, not on the boundary side, you know, you have this giant amount of space. And so you just throw it out there. Like there's not necessarily a precise Point that ball needs to be there's just kind of a line it needs to be outside and a line that it needs to be inside in terms of can thomas go get it or is it too far out of his range and so the setup there is great you'd have to think that's like a go-to look for them but also there's going to be stuff that they can probably run off of that underneath it clearing out that side letting mclaren or samuel or you know whoever humphrey run a slant from the other side on like third and five to third and eight so there's just like there's just good stuff that seems to be available from that and it, it's it's you know from a defensive standpoint, yeah, you can line up your leverage differently, but then you're leaving open the seam. so there's just like using I, I guess the that's a like a long rambling example filled uh, preamble to make a very pointed point, which is I liked what I saw from Scott Turner last night, which is not a thing that you typically say in the, in the preseason, but I do like the fact that it, that they showed some versatility with their personnel to maximize the skill sets available on an offense with a lot of really versatile and interesting weapons.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, Logan Thomas is a catch radius guy. Like, so to be able to get him out on that Island and throw the ball, as you said, not necessarily having to be perfect, but just allowing him to be an athlete and go get it at his size. I think the more that they do in this offense, the better. It's essentially not a whole lot different conceptually to what we see with him in the end zone when they're throwing him jump balls and things like that. Um, You know, he's, going to use his body to box out a defender like a basketball player and to go up and get it and you know yesterday it just so happened that he threw it so far toward the sideline perfectly that he didn't even really have to you know get get anybody plastered on his back or anything like that so but overall I thought you know those two throws stood out probably the two best throws for me of the whole game for anybody Uh, it was just not a lot to watch but he looked comfortable this is a new offense so even though he's been around forever and he's a smart guy you want to see him look like he's got an idea of where to go with the ball and I thought he did and I'm not a I shouldn't say I'm not a Heineke guy I like his story uh, fans love him and think he's you know the future of a lot of fans there's a pocket of fans that feel like you know he should be I'm certainly not in that camp I, I don't think he should start and I think fits a starter but I will say that I came out of that game feeling better about Heineke than I did going in I really liked the way he played and I just like his mobility and. Play extension and off schedule propensity. I, I think he's got a, you know, he, he, to me right now, looks like a guy I'm really comfortable with as a backup quarterback. And if he came into a game in a pinch, could run around and make some plays. I'm
0: exactly where you are on that. Um, he'd be a pain in the butt to play against. Um, but at the same time, I don't know how long that's sustainable because. It's just exhausting to play that way, right? Like to to run around that much and feel like everything's off schedule because I do think when it came to some of the on-schedule stuff, even some of the hits that he takes, it's just like, man, that that feels a beat late. And maybe I'm just readjusting to football and readjusting to their offense, but there just seemed like a couple of times where you're like, ah, that's late. Ah, that's, that's a half step. If that ball's out sooner, you don't take that big shot and maybe there's a completion there. And those little things matter so much at quarterback at this level. I mean, every position at this level, like a half step is is a mile. So you have to get everything out on time. And, and I don't think Heineke has it, at least yet. You know, he still is developing to a point, but he's also older than I think people realize. He's been in a lot of different camps. I forgot that he was, and so they said it on the broadcast last night, that like he was a former Patriot at one point. He was in their their camp. And so I, I do think that the lack of consistency on schedule is what's going to keep him from ultimately being a starter in this league, but as a backup and and a guy who can come into a game and be a bit of a wild card can make some on schedule throws, but is actually very good off schedule, which is really hard to defend. uh, I I definitely like him a lot in that role.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's funny is I was was talking to Ben standing about this, who's a, a friend of ours who covers the team for the athletic. And I, I, Here's my thing on Heineke, and I wanted to know what you think. Like, there's been so much negative about him during camp. Um, nobody purposefully, right? But he hasn't played particularly well, and the reporting, by and large, has just been that you know he's either regressed or basically the idea is that there's a Grand Canyon gap between Fitzpatrick at practice and Heineke. And my thing that I'm this is like a working theory that I'm coming to, but I think all of the moments that are either wow moments and or times where I'm really impressed by Heineke are mostly off schedule Mm -hmm. to the point where like you get some of that in practice, but that's not really a practice. Just get the snap, throw the ball. You know, here's what we're doing. Games are when you run around and you extend and you kind of just be an athlete and play football. And that to me is like Heineke at his best. You saw it against Tampa Bay. You saw it a little bit against Carolina. And I thought last night, there were a couple of times where you saw that. Those are always like my favorite moments of his. And I just don't know that that's going to showcase that well in a practice setting generally. So I wonder, I hate to use the phrase like gamer, but I wonder if games are more indicative or revealing in terms of you know his overall uh, style or ability. Um, none of this is to say, again, that I, I think he should start. But what I would say is if Fitz falls flat on his face, you know, th- there was a time this offseason where I would be petrified and tell you that there's a huge drop-off and they're screwed. And I'm not going to let like a couple drives last night change necessarily my feeling on that. But I came out of that game feeling better about Heineke's body of work going back to last year, feeling like maybe some of that carries over than I did going in.
0: No, I think the the gamer tag uh, is 100% what he is. And it explains a lot in his career, right? When he's gotten on the field, you're like, Okay, maybe there's something here to this guy. Yet he can't practice well enough to get onto the field in multiple situations. Whether that is Minnesota, whether that is Houston, whether that is New England, like and obviously when he was in New England, there was that Brady fellow there, so he was never going to get on the field. But like, it's you weird
1: know, they didn't play him. Yeah, they really should have. I, I
0: he could have been a future Hall of Famer. I mean, oh wait. Right. Right. Um, But like you see, you see it throughout his entire career that he's just not a good practice player. And sometimes that is how guys are. And there's there's certain positions where I feel like that's that's more inclined to happen um, because you can just do like you can do special stuff that just screws up a practice quarterback, obviously being the most of that. Um, But I, I do think that when he gets in, there's a competitiveness to him that is palpable that I think sometimes can be like, I think that is the thing that clouds fans judgment where they think he's better than he is. Cause it's so clear he's fighting so hard and there's like an emotional attachment to that, but it also does have tangible results. Like the never say die attitude can be very helpful because he's going to extend right. plays. He's willing to take a hit. And sometimes if you're willing to take a hit that last half second before you get drilled is when a guy comes open, you, you get a first down and maintain a drive and it turns into points. But Um, the ability to consistently play in this league has proven time and time and time again, almost without exception to be based off the fact that you can eventually figure it out from the pocket and take the easy stuff. Because if you can't figure out the easy stuff, it's just there's the players are too good to, for every snap to be hard.
1: Yeah. And this is completely anecdotal to the the fan point, but I think you hit on something, which is that the the moxie, which is what I'll call it, but like that, You know, the the Brett Favre, like, has more fun than everyone else thing. is part of why he was loved because he'd run down the field, and he'd lift Donald Driver up over his shoulders. You forget about the two picks he threw before that game-winning touchdown. I do think there's some of that with Heineke. Like, my wife, right? And, again, this is one person. It's an anecdote, but I think it's somewhat instructive. So, when when we watched the playoff, the Tampa Bay playoff game together, she just loved this guy. And she's jumping around and, like, he's diving for the pylon she's like, they got to sign this guy. He could be the future. And I'm like, you're insane. But, you know, and then I heard it from callers all offseason. And as soon as he got into the game last night, I like guess first couple plays, he completes a pass and she's like clapping. And then he had to scramble on the naked boot on third and one, where it was a really good call, I thought, from Turner. Uh, and, and they knew he was going to get to the the boundary and, and you pick it up because he's got the wheels to do it. And she's like, I just love him. I just love this guy. And like his style of play does resonate with people. And it's like the hopping up and hitting people on the helmet. They dig it. So he's a popular guy. And if he keeps playing well, that that's only going to grow. Um, but the good thing, I think, for Fitz, for the team, for everybody, is that he played well enough that if he laid an egg, like threw a pick on his second throw, and, and you know, they went three and out after that, you know, then today's a whole different uh unhealthy and unhelpful probably conversation big picture. But because he played so well, it's a good thing. Like he looked really good and Heineke looked solid, I thought, to, to good and and it's a good place to be for them going out of game one.
0: No doubt. Um because I know that you love him uh from the interview you guys did and he's also a fan favorite. Let's touch on Samis Reyes's night real quick. Uh had a couple of bobble catches. I actually there's a couple plays where I'm like, who had that block? Oh, that was Reyes. Like What do you think, and and I'll I'll scope it out this way a little bit, like what do you think they ultimately wind up doing at tight end from the training camp practices you've been to to the people you talked to to watching last night? Like how many do they keep and does that dude wind up making it?
1: I think it's hard to imagine them keeping more than three. And as of right now, I have a hard time believing he'd be the third guy. The only way I would even consider keeping him on the roster as my third tight end is if for some reason you think – that you couldn't get him to the practice squad, which I think he has like practice squad written all over him. And that's the whole reason for the squad is to get that guy reps and teach him football and to get him where you want him to be. And maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year he's on the field. But if some, if you know there's another team out there that's just aroused by the idea of him and that was sniffing around on him, then you'd probably have to keep him in your building. Uh, But I don't think that would be the case. You saw yesterday, right? It's not natural. He's fighting football a little bit on a couple catches, but what an athlete! Like, mm-hmm. and you can speak better as an actual athlete than I can on some of these things. But when you see his size and his the way his body moves, the twitch, like yeah. it, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, it, it really. And that was in a like just watching him on a, a handful of plays in a preseason game in a sport he's never played an organized game in until last night. Like, I, I'll worry about some of the other stuff down the road, but he was running routes as he was supposed to. I thought the the catch on the little uh, dump pass over the middle for 21 yards down the seam was like a really nice route where he got a guy plastered behind him and, and was able to run a dude over after that, uh, even though he played a little popcorn. The sideline play was a great athletic catch after he, he nearly bobbled that, uh, made the two grabs. I didn't lock in on him, frankly, as a blocker. When I go back and watch, I want to do more of that because um, that's going to be critical for him obviously as a tight end down the depth chart in the league, but he's so big and strong. You'd have to imagine if his technique gets to a point he's working with Logan Paulson and some other um, people just outside of the building. In addition all the time he gets with the coaching staff, you know, he, I don't know why he wouldn't be able to play tight end in this league, but I think my, my initial observation from last night, that he is a project. It is going to take some time. And My guess is they'd love to have him on the practice squad if they could get him there.
0: Yeah, I I think so, too. The the thing that stuck out to me about him was his size. Like, it's one thing to hear the numbers, but then you see it in pads and you're like, oh, that dude's huge. Like, you're just like, oh, my God. His arm, like, because you think also of, like, basketball player, a little bit thinner, right? And and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're built like a football player. Like, you were built like an absolute tank. And, And I know, like, the shirtless Instagram pictures and all that kind of stuff. And you can see it, but it's just different in pads. There's something about, I mean, even, like... When I cover the team and like, I saw Trent Williams every day, but I saw Trent William in pads on Sundays. and was like, you're a massive human being. There's something about football pads. And then for it to translate like that on TV, for him to look big amongst football players, you're like, wow, that is a different kind of dude in terms of how he is built. And then the other thing that really impressed me in terms of the athleticism, like yeah, he's fast and he's twitchy and all that kind of stuff that you said is absolutely true. But the power, and I'm curious, you know, we'll have to circle back when when you watch back and, and check out some of the blocking. But like there was a couple plays where I'm just like, how did there was a play, God, I think it was Barber um in the fourth quarter had a had a run off of his side where Reyes just blocks down and he just moves a guy. And so the power that he had and understanding how to use all of that strength and size and speed and twitchiness and and turn that into power. That is an impressive thing that that is actually hard to do athletically and the fact that he did it uh, multiple times and was able to sustain I thought was was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to see the guy on the field. You know, to me when you're as raw at football as he is, like it would have been reasonable for him to have kind of at some point not known where he was going or to miss something pretty clear up front in the assignment or whatever. It didn't seem like that happened. And he seemed to to kind of have some the functional skills necessary. The big story coming out, people will be talking about, it, is he he bobbled two passes, but he caught the two passes. He didn't have drops, and uh, and and in one of those cases, to be able to haul it in after the bobble while getting his feet in on the sideline, I actually thought was a plus. So, I w- I come away impressed and hopeful, but. And this didn't change last night. I I just, it's a really, really tall order, man, for a guy that's never played football in his life to make a 53 in the NFL. While, you know, that would be really, really cool, I just, I don't know how realistic that's ever been. And and I would say after last night, I feel pretty confident that you probably would be doing well to get him on the practice squad. Um, But they would know better than I would. Like, is there a chance someone would pluck him? I can't imagine that, but it is always, there's always like one or two guys a year where you go why did a team do that? And, and maybe someone just thinks, you know, he's the next Gates and, and we'll stash him for several weeks. We don't need a third tight end uh, while we teach him the game.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very possible. Um, the other like big talking point that uh, people are going to come out of last night with is like, in terms of the first team, if you will, now I've, now I've been in soccer too long. That, that's we're we're using the first team now, uh, but the special teams, uh, struggles Hopkins missing field goals. Uh, Obviously there's a new rhythm uh, with the long snapper. uh, And so that was mentioned on the Twitters last night. Um, I can't say that I put a stopwatch on it or anything. And I I obviously am not at practice anymore. Like I used to be, I know you have been some uh, so what, what do you make of where the Washington special teams unit currently is specifically the field goal unit?
1: Yeah, just on kicking. I mean, I, I think First of all, Hopkins last year got off to a terrible start, remember, and there was a time during the season when the outside forces, media, fans, whatever, were calling for his head. Rivera had been backing him and kind of said, well, we're going to put him on the hot seat, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I think they brought someone in to compete during a practice week or something like that. He ended up making 14 of his final 15 down the stretch, and David reworked or extended his contract, retweaked it, but uh, you know, gave him a vote of confidence financially this season. I, he's not going anywhere this week. They're not cutting him. They shouldn't cut him. I would absolutely consider bringing in competition. I, I'm of the belief that competition is a good thing. And like seems like Rivera is at most other positions as well. kind of odd to me when you only have one kicker at camp as it is. Uh, I know that he's had a good career and he's got a lot of success and I project that he'll be here all year and he'll kick well most, if not all year. Uh, but having said that, based on how he started last year and then 0-2 last night, I, you know, I think if they decided next week they were just going to have someone kicking alongside him at practices, there'd be nothing wrong with that, um, with him the likely favorite coming out of it. But I, I don't know about, enough about the, the idea of this, like, this, the snapper makes a, a big difference. I, I don't really buy that for last night. There wasn't much of a rush. You know, you could kind of, for 40 yards in the NFL, most of these guys, you just put a they could walk up out of rhythm and drill that. Uh, yeah. He pulled two kicks, and, and I think, you know, it, it is. It's, it's finicky, and they have these specific things that they want to do, but you got to make the kick. So I think he will next week, honestly. I, I'm not overly worried, but I understand that after last year, a lot of people are.
0: Yeah, no, and I would, the thing that I was always impressed with with Dustin is his demeanor. Like, he's got the demeanor I want out of a kicker. He's just very calm. He's very flat. Like he doesn't freak out. If he misses, he's like, okay, what happened? And he'll be, and he could tell me. And a lot of times he'd be like, I'll tell you, but like, you can't record this and report it because like, then it sounds like I'm making excuses. Like, and I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses, but like my plant leg was off a little bit. And so I pulled it and it's like, okay, you understand this at a technical level and that's not making an excuse. That's analyzing it and figuring out what went wrong. So you don't do it again. And so I always appreciated that about Dustin, that he had a very kind of almost scientific neutral look to everything. And also the other thing with him too, Uh, which I think is important to remember, he's a touchback machine. So the fact that he has that going for him on kickoffs is a plus that if there's, if you're even, or if you are even with him in a kicking competition on field goals, he's probably going to have you on kickoff anyway. So that's another thing to to just kind of keep in mind. All right. You have a show to go get ready for, uh, and you will have much more time than you did on this podcast, but hopefully we got to dive into some stuff a little bit deeper uh, here so that people are getting a little bit different. you can of course listen to Grant and Danny weekdays on 1067 the fan on this here Odyssey app and uh, of course 1067 FM all around the DMV. GP, uh, have a great show today and I'm sure we'll be talking to you very, very soon.
1: All right, Craig, be well, thank you, man. Yeah, enjoy the uh, upcoming preseason action' should be fun
0: Thank you kindly sir, and we'll see everybody right back here Monday, one o'clock on the Odyssey app for Washington training camp live.